from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing March the 13th, 2011. Hi, I'm Robert, VK3DN. Hello, listeners. Hello, Robert. Brian here again. How are you, Brian? Well, thank you, Robert. It's been a little while, a few months, and I'm sorry I missed last week's. Yeah, well, that's okay. We uh, You ploughed through? We ploughed through, indeed. Now, talking about uh, ploughing through and in important things that are happening, uh, just net right now, as we are recording this WIA National News broadcast, there's uh, news updates coming through of a earthquake that's just hit Japan. Yes, reports of uh, 7.9 and 8.8 on the Richter scale and an accompanying tsunami has uh, shocked Tokyo and the northeast uh, coast of um, Japan. And uh, our thoughts are obviously with our amateur radio friends and family in uh, in Japan and yeah. uh, nearby areas and all those uh, Australians on uh, work or uh, socially in the country. Yeah, well, we don't have any... Uh, direct news reports from amateurs from that country. Obviously, it's only just happened, but I'm sure we'll have something for next week's news broadcast. Now, Brian, what have you been up to since we've been uh, uh, last on the news together? I cleaned my desk, Robert. And what else have you put on your desk? Well, importantly, the soldering iron's there and the entire Pickerstar project is laid out, so I've finally gotten into this one. You have turned your soldering iron on. And burnt myself a few times. And how many components have you put on the Pickerstar board? Uh, I'm building a couple at the same time, so it's in the thousands at this point with all of the uh, SMD surface mount capacitors and resistors and some ICs and a whole heap of other stuff that I'm still waiting to uh, to arrive from overseas, bits and pieces. I was going to mention that. That's a Pickerstar project, or at least the uh, version that uh, projects I've seen. They've all been surface mount. How have you found working with surface mount components? I love the surface mount, Robert, I must say. And um, with thanks to, uh, to Glenn, VK3PE, who, who put these boards together, uh, I'm one of the um, stragglers actually in the project, but it really is, I think, the future of home brewing. We look forward to hearing you on the air on that uh, radio when you finished it. Soon, very soon. I hope it up uh, at, at on air before the end of winter. Okay, Brian, you've got the first news story. I do. It's about our frequencies getting eyed off again. Last week, we told you about how Telstra had called on the ACMA to reclaim 1452 to 1492 megahertz reserved for digital radio, advocating its return for use by point-to-point microwave services. Now we learn that Australia's peak rail authority is battling to protect billions of dollars worth of investment in the safety of national rail networks, which is under siege as the carriers scramble for scarce long-term evolution spectrum resources. Australasian Railway Association Chief Executive Brian Nye said state rail authorities had invested $500 million in a unified national radio safety network dependent on the 1800 MHz spectrum and that billions more had been slated for the project. But mobile phone industry groups have targeted that 1800 MHz band to be used for the international standard for next-generation mobile LTE handsets and equipment. And regulators and carriers are turning up the pressure to obtain as much of that spectrum as they can. If the railways lose the licence, it will set back more than a decade of cooperation and planning to modernise and unify Australia's rail radio network. For instance, currently, the Indian Pacific, which passes from Perth to Sydney, needs eight separate radio sets on board to manage signalling systems on its journey. It is said that the ARA had requested an urgent meeting with Senator Conroy, but so far there had been no response. Well, there you go. More uh, frequencies under threat. Okay, now for some club news from VK5, the South Coast Amateur Radio Club, 
subsidise members' dinner the 20th of March 2011. The South Coast Amateur Radio Club will be holding its 2011 subsidised members' dinner on Sunday the 20th of March 2011 at the Fresh Choice Family Restaurant in Sturt, South Australia. It'll be great to see as many members and partners as possible in attendance to allow members to socially meet outside the club room environment. Registration can also be done through the event list function on the SCARC website. That address www.scarc.org.au And I've got an article about ACMA news and a successful field operation. Over the last couple of months, there has been a strength 9 noise coming and going around the frequencies of 146 to 147 500 around Hobart. For some in the Mount Nelson area, it got unbearable and made 147 500 unusable at times. So the ACMA were called. They were very prompt and after some considerable investigative work, the offending data transmitter was located, then shut down until it's repaired. Thank you to the ACMA. Good work to the ACMA on that one. ACMA has been very busy as of late. A few amateur radio house calls too, I do believe. Okay, amateur radio, home of the good guys. Cyprus Radio Group welcomes visitors. If you are planning a visit to Cyprus this year, the Parfos Radio Club would like to welcome you. They meet on the third Thursday of each month at the Parfos Gardens Hotel at 1900 hours. They also have a weekly net on Wednesdays at 19.30 using the local repeater 5B4PRC on 145.750 MHz. More details from Don, 5B4AGQ. And that story from the RSGB. And staying overseas with education, youth and advancement of amateur radio with a story about the members of the Limerick Radio Club who presented Decoding the Code, part of Engineers Week. 60 pupils took part and enjoyed building the CW kits. They were joined on the day by Kieran Horgan, chairman of the Thomond branch of Engineers Island, who commented that pupils were getting an important introduction to engineering. Copper thefts on the rise. It seems that radio amateurs may also find themselves targets for so-called copper thefts. In the last two years, the price of copper has risen by 300%, with other metals also experiencing higher prices. We've heard from an amateur in Yorkshire who's been a victim of one of these copper thefts when all of his cabling was stolen overnight. That included the coax and the ladder line used for the G5RV antenna. Other amateurs are being encouraged to make sure that all access to cables is restricted and that their installations are as secure as possible. Again, that story from the RSGB. Now to news of a laser pointer. A Phoenix news helicopter was the victim of an attack from the ground. This as someone shot a bright laser beam into its cockpit that was also caught by the chopper's onboard camera. According to the Arizona Republic, authorities are currently investigating the incident and have yet to identify the perpetrator. The newspaper goes on to note that local police actually searched door-to-door in the area where the beam originated, but so far have come up empty-handed. A spokesman with the Federal Aviation Administration commenting on the incident said that the message here is very simple. If you want to engage in this kind of dangerous and irresponsible behaviour, you can be caught and arrested. If caught and prosecuted, the perpetrator of this stunt could face up to 20 years in prison. Well, I guess he's going to work out and find out whether that was a smart thing to do. 
Certainly not a smart thing. And uh, a quick note that, of course, all Australian states have very similar laws. That fellow was obviously not one of the healthy subjects of the next article, Robert. New study finds that cell phones affect brainwaves. A newly completed study indicates that electromagnetic radiation from the antenna of a mobile telephone may be altering the way we think and behave. This according to an article published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. According to the news reports, researchers peered inside the brains of 47 healthy subjects using position emission tomography to measure the location and timing of brain activity by detecting signs that cells were consuming energy. They found that despite official scepticism, including statements issued by the Food and Drug Administration, that electromagnetic energy exerts influence on nearby cells. The prelim study, led by a respected neuroscientist at the National Institute of Health, provides what other researchers are calling solid evidence, that mobile telephones' use has measurable effects on brain activity. It also suggests that people's attachment to mobile telephones may be altering the way we think and behave in subtle ways. Well, it's uh, no news to us that um, our use of radios is clearly affecting our behaviour, Robert. That's right. And the Tennessee Amateur Radio Society seem to have something to say about that as well. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. In Weird and Wonderful, you are a ham if. Ten ways to spot a radio amateur. You'll find this at qsl.net slash wtarc slash uraham.htm. You might be a ham and probably are a radio amateur if, and here's just a couple of good ones, you've grabbed the wrong end of your hot soldering iron. I've done that. You've given out RST reports while you're on the telephone. Have you done that, Robert? No. No. But I do strip wire with my teeth. Yeah, I think I did that when I was about five. I've been, I've been an amateur for a very long time. The, uh, here's a great one. You've tapped out CQ or high on the car horn in Morse code. I actually never thought to do that, but our Nokia phones, uh, when you get the SMS, they do beep that. Um, oh, yeah, too many of us know this one. You know the latitude, longitude, and elevation of your home QTH, and they should probably add the grid square location too. And, um, yeah, the, this one. You refer to your ham friends by their call sign, uh, not their real names. But let me give you one last one. Go. You told the XYL when she noticed that new rig in the shack, why, that's been there for years. Speaking of the while, actually, mine knows you as your call sign, not your first name. Does she? When, you, when the phone rings, yeah. Is that Deanne again? Again. He wants you to help with another news broadcast. <laughs> yes. Something like that. Now, the West Tennessee ARS asks, does anyone know who is the original author of these lines? If so, please email kb4rpv at net so credit can be given to the correct author. Operational news, special events and on-air contest column. Grab a pen and a pad. I've got some dates for you. March the 19th and 20th, it's the WIA John Moyle National Memorial Field Day weekend. And on April the 17th, it's the National Field Day, with the theme for this year's event, Amateur Radio, the first social network. Then on April the 23rd, it's the ZLVK 2011 Ritty Sprint on 80 metres. April the 30th, it's Worldwide Marconi Day 2011. You can get information on that event from www.gb4imd.org.uk. 
Then on the 30th of April, same day, it's the ZLVK 2011 Ritty Sprint, this time on 40 metres. Right, news of special event stations, repeater, beacon and DX net advice. Brian, you've got this one? I certainly do. The XF4 de-expedition has been assigned call sign 4Alpha 4Alpha. A team of nine operators are on the air from Isla Socorro until 19th of March. They plan to use 10 metres through 160 with CW, SSB and some digital modes. More is online at, and I'll have to spell this, Revilla, R-E-V-I-L-L-A, Gigedo, G-I-G-E-D-O, 2011.com. And of course, all these links and more information can be found in the WIA text edition of the news. And Anne, OH2YL, makes a de-expedition to St. Bartholomew. This expedition starts on 15th of April and ends on the 27th. She's anticipated to work on all HF bands, 10 metres through 160 CW. QSL cards via OH2YL. Also, LOTW works fine. Now, the Rugby World Cup. To promote Rugby World Cup, New Zealand amateur radio operators are encouraged to use the ZM call sign prefix during September and October 2011. For more information, visit the Rugby World Cup website, rugbyworldcup.com, and the NZART website, nzart.org.nz. Special event station VY1T, Tasselin Historical and Museum Society, grand opening of a radio exhibit. The VY1T special event station will be on the air from June the 29th to July the 1st, 2011 for the grand opening of the Air Radio exhibit in the Teslin Historical and Museum Society in Teslin, YT. VY1EI Eric, their resident contester, will be using VY1T on June the 29th from Whitehorse. Club station VY1T will be on the air from Teslin Yakon at the George Johnson Museum June 30th from early morning to late afternoon. VY1T will be on the air from Whitehorse on Canada Day as a club station. June 30th, try 20 metres around 14.180 or so. Also try 14.140. For more information, you can be found on the Yakon Amateur Radio Society Website. That's www.yara.ca. And now's the time to keep an eye on numerous Asian beacons and also the Guam beacon AH2G on 50.004 MHz for pending TEP paths to Asia and the North Pacific. A complete list of 50 MHz beacons updated weekly can be found by Googling the G3USF website. Intruder Watch Enforcement Zone. Digimode activity in the 40 metre CW segment. At WRC03, the ITU allocated frequency segment 7100 to 7200 kHz to the amateur radio service in Region 1. This extension of the 40 metre band allows IARU Region 1 to modify the Region 1 band plan. These changes became effective on the 29th of March 2009. Some of these changes included the extension of an exclusive CW segment by 5 kHz and is now 7.000 to 7040 kHz. The segment for narrow bands, modes, digimodes with a maximum bandwidth of 500 Hz was extended by 5 kHz and that's doubled and moved to 7040 to 7050 kHz and the segment for all modes Digimodes with a maximum bandwidth of 2700 Hz was extended by 7 kHz and moved to 7050 to 7060 kHz. 
Now, although the separation of the segment is by frequencies that are easy to remember, as in 7040, 7050 and 7060 kHz, there still is a lot of PSK31 activity around 7037 kHz. Region 1 amateur radio operators are requested to adhere to the guidelines as stipulated. And the reason we bring it up, listeners, is so that you know exactly where to go if you're chasing them. Or, of course, if you're interfering and, uh, and getting into their air. And now, the Q News Workbench, the Nuts and Volts Report. Measure twice, cut once. Jiller announces a new source of terahertz radiation. Jiller researchers have developed a laser-based source of terahertz radiation that is unusually efficient and less prone to damage than similar systems. The technology might be useful in applications such as detecting trace gases or imaging weapons in security screenings. Jiller is a joint institute of the National Institute of Standards and Technology and the University of Colorado at Boulder. Its technology is a new twist on a common terahertz wave source, that being a semiconductor surface patterned with metal electrodes and excited by ultrafast laser pulses. An electric field is applied across the semiconductor while near-infrared pulses lasting about 70 quadrillionths of a second produced 89 million times per second dislodge electrons from the semiconductor. The electrons accelerate in the electric field and emit the terahertz waves. Terahertz radiation, which falls between the radio and optical bands of the electromagnetic spectrum, have the ability to penetrate materials such as clothing and plastic, but can be used to detect any substances that have unique absorption characteristics at these wavelengths. Terahertz systems are challenging to build because they require a blend of electronic and optical technologies that are integrated together to work flawlessly. The complete story of this advancement in this technology is online at tinyurl.com forward slash terahertz. Over, over, over. A technology that allows wireless signals to be sent and received simultaneously on a single channel has been developed by Stanford researchers. Their research could help build faster, more efficient communication networks, at least doubling the speed of existing networks. These first wireless radios can send and receive signals at the same time, This immediately makes them twice as fast as existing technology and with further tweaking will likely lead to even faster and more efficient networks in the future. Researchers are working on the theory that if a radio receiver could filter out the signal from its own transmitter, weak incoming signals could be heard. Their setup takes advantage of the fact that each radio knows exactly what it's transmitting and hence what its receiver should filter out. The process is very similar to noise-cancelling headphones. Thanks to the Stanford News Service for that news item. And now to Media Watch. The UK's Channel 4 drama about amateur radio called CQ was first shown in 1984 and repeated in 1986. It starred Michael Alphick as Norman, a radio amateur G4ESB who contacts a round-the-world yachtsman called Alec, G4FLP Maritime Mobile, on 20 metres. The Radcom article says that Peter Markham... G3YXZ was technical advisor to the makers of the drama and ensured technical accuracy. Not surprisingly, the article comments that in striving to be authentic, this drama isn't as funny as a show produced by a comedian Tony Hancock, who was popular in the late 50s and early 60s. Perhaps the author wasn't aware of the distinction between a drama and a comedy. The article appeared in the September 1984 edition of Radcom. The Channel 4 program is the only time amateur radio has been represented with any degree of accuracy on UK TV in the last half century. An AVI file of a Betamax home recording made at the time still exists and is at tinyurl.com slash 
CQ Video 1984. And of course you can get that out of the text edition of this new service as well. I'm sure that site's going to get a few hits this week. I didn't check it out before we started, so I'm going to go home and look at that now. That'll be hit number one at least. Okay, Worldwide Special Interest Group's Females in Radio. A reminder that Alara holds its net each Monday evening and 3.57 MHz commencing at 10.30 UTC or 10.00 hours UTC during daylight saving. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And news of the YL International 2012 in Adelaide. The organisation of the YL International 2012 meet in Adelaide is almost complete. The meet dates are set, with delegates arriving on or before the 3rd of May 2012, staying at various venues in Glenelg. The next few days we'll see them touring of Adelaide, yes, Handorf, Cleland National Park, Port Adelaide, including a dolphin cruise and a progressive lunch at three Barossa Valley wineries. That'll be good. Those also doing the optional Garn tour will join in for either a seven- or nine-day adventure. The seven-day option will allow them to leave the tour at Alice Springs after being out to Uluru, and the nine-day tour finishes in Darwin. A website has been created, and the website is www.wildinternational2012.com. Again, that uh, URL will be in the text edition of this news service. The meet is open to Wiles and their OMs. You don't have to be a member of any organisation or even licensed, but it would help if you're interested in amateur radio. Most participants are active on the air, but it's not a requirement for the attendance. If you're interested in attending, please complete the online expression of interest form or contact VK5TMC. The list of potential participants is growing. At the moment, there's around 60 who have expressed interest. Registration and deposits are due in September 2011, and thanks to Tina Clogg, VK5TMC, for that new story. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. The AMSAT VK unofficial HF net is the second Sunday of each month, April through October at 1000 UTC on 3.685 MHz, November through March 900 UTC on 7068 MHz. Well, we've had Yasi, now it's Yuri. Yuri's night, World Party for Space. Arasat 1, still inside the ISS, will be activated using an external antenna on 145.950 MHz FM for this year's Yuri's night, April 12th. Yuri's Night, the World Party for Space, was first held in 2001 and has grown steady in popularity since. It celebrates the first human space flight in 1961 and radio amateurs around the world are actively involved with some holding parties in their homes and on the wireless. AMSAT North America will be issuing special certificates to those stations reporting reception of the 145.950 Arasat 1 signals on this special night. New Pakistan Satellite, iCube 1. Students at the Institute of Space Technology, the IST, are building Pakistan's first CubeSat, called iCube-1. They're currently looking for a launch in the third quarter of 2011. The iCube website gives these specifications. Beacon on 436.8475 MHz CW at 100 milliwatts. Downlink of 437.490 MHz FSK AX25, 1200 board at 600 milliwatts. Uplink of 145.835 MHz on FSK AX25 at 1200 board. The iCube page is iCube.org.pk. 
The Student Satellite Project is at ist.edu.pk and you can find the link there. And the Institute of Space Technology will be happy to see you check them out. Again, it's all in the text edition of the new service, as we keep reminding you. Okay, worldwide, special interest groups, internet, the hams domain. Now, here's one that'll interest you, Brian. The Do Not Track Me on the Internet law introduced into Congress. An internet version of the popular Do Not Call telephone legislation took a step toward reality when a House of Representative legislator introduced a measure in Congress designed to let consumers block unwanted tracking of their information online. The Do Not Track Me Online bill authorises the Federal Trade Commission to enact and enforce regulations that give consumers the right to bar organisations from tracking their activities as they use the internet. Consumer watchdog and non-profit and non-partisan advocacy group has already applauded the proposed law. I I, I applaud them too, Robert, Uh, but I think uh, the US Congress has banned spam and uh, I don't know how well they went at that. I'm still waiting for that to happen. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, IOTA. A couple of links here for the EU008 island. MM0GHM, MM0GOR and M0UTD will be active as MS0KLR from the Isle of Muck in the Inner Hebrides between April 16th to 19th. Activity will be on all HF bands and more information can be found at qrz.com slash MS0KLR. Also, OC195, VK7DI will be active on Deal Island, IOTA OC195 from the 21st of March. A team of six amateurs will travel to Deal Island, one of the Kent group of islands 160 nautical miles from Western Port Bay. The trip down will take approximately 40 hours and they're hoping to average about five knots. They'll be active on most HF frequencies, both maritime, mobile, down and back. Ashore for four days, and those of you who chase grid squares will, of course, want to work this rare entity, which is also a national park for those chasing the National Parks Award. Please see the VK7DI entry on QRZ for more details. And thanks to John Fisher, VK3DQ, for that new story. And uh, for those of us in, in VK3, we're uh, listening with interest the other night on the repeater as the guys were having a bit of a dry run transferring themselves and their equipment between the uh, main boat and a rubber dinghy. I hope they stayed dry. Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> but uh, they did well. And I uh, wish the guys all the best with the uh, with that uh, trip to the island as well. Good luck. Worldwide special interest groups, Lowdown. Amateur MF allocation moves a step closer. Amateur radio has moved a step closer to the medium frequency MF allocation below the AM broadcast band. During the first week of the conference preparatory meeting that's the CPM for the 2012 World Radio Communications Conference WRC12 of the International Telecommunication Union held in Geneva on February the 14th to 25th, delegates completed the drafting of nine pages of analysis of the technical and regulatory issues related to WRC12 Agenda Item 1.23, consideration of a possible secondary allocation to the amateur service of about 15 kilohertz, somewhere between 415 and 526.5 kHz. Two possible methods of satisfying the agenda item, along with the possibility of there being no change and therefore no allocation, are set out in the CPM report, along with the advantages and disadvantages of each. And the uh, URL for that can be found in the text edition. 
And we're not far from the end of the news today, Robert, and we have the rewind with a piece of audio from Cole, VK4CC. Rewind. I'm Cole, VK4CC. Radio on the web, www.radioshackcatalogs.com. Want to spend some time strolling vicariously through the history of electronics retailing? Now you can, thanks to a website called radioshackcatalogs.com. The site contains catalogues for the company that date all the way back to 1939. Each one is animated in a way that a click of your mouse lets you turn the pages or zoom in to see that special part of an item that evokes a memory of days gone by. The site also has the complete history of the company, along with the story of how, in 1963, Charles Tandy purchased Radio Shack Corporation, when it was on the verge of bankruptcy, for only $300,000 and built it into the mega corporation it is today. Whether or not you are a fan of Radio Shack, you will likely get a thrill out of this trip back in time. You will find it at www.radioshackcatalogs.com I say again, www.radioshackcatalogs.com on the World Wide Web. Thanks, Cole. Okay, to the social scene. March the 13th, that's today. It's the Eastern and Mountain District White Elephant Sale at Great Ryrie Primary School, Great Ryrie Road in Heathmont. The doors open at 10.30, so what? get on your bike and uh, if you're in VK3, get down there to the Hamfest. And it's a long weekend, so uh, buy it today and play all of tomorrow on Monday that's it. if you're home. That's it. Now, March 20th, VK7, meet the Voice Barbecue at Ross Caravan Park. April the 2nd to the 3rd in VK4, it's the Bunyan Mountains District AMCOM at the Skark Somerset Dam Campout. April 9th in VK6, Hills Amateur Radio Group Harg Fest at the Club Rooms in Les Murdy. April the 17th, it's the WIA National Field Day with the theme, The First Technology-Based Social Network. And of course, that's linked to World Amateur Radio Day, which is the following day, April the 18th. And on May 27 to 29th is the WIA AGM Weekend in Darwin. And on June the 10th to the 12th in VK4, the Far North and North Queensland Amateur Radio Gathering at the King Reef Resort, Curramine Beach. July 16th in VK3, Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest, Cranbourne Community Hall, 10am. July the 31st, the Riverina Field Day, 10am at the Lavington Scout Group Hall. Also in VK2, August 7th, Lismore Region, Sarkfest. And on September the 11th in VK3, the Shepparton and District Amateur Radio Club Comms Day, St Augustine's Hall at Orr Street, Shepparton, 10am. September 23rd to 28th is the Region 3 ARDF Championship in Bendigo in VK3. More information at r3.ardf.org.au. And the last one we've got listed for this year, November the 20th in VK5, the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society Hamfest, Goodwood Community Centre, Rosa Street, Goodwood. Okay, Brian, well, we've come to the end of this week's news service and as we mentioned at the start of the news, the massive earthquake and tsunami that's hit uh, hit uh, Japan, Tokyo. Obviously, our thoughts are with our uh, friends in J-Land. Yeah, our uh, amateur radio colleagues and uh, friends who are over there and anybody who is uh, travelling, uh, any Australians that are over there in Japan uh, on work or business as well, our thoughts are with you. All right, that's it. That wraps it up. This has been WIA National News for the 13th of March, 2011. And as always, we've reported... You decide.
We've reported. You decide.